you've already heard it all. But now you resonate. The world has pushed you out of what you thought you knew, your comfort zone, and into this strange place, this slightly off reality. Welcome to the Truth Serum Podcast, hosted by the controversial and funny Don Bates, author, mother, human, and all-round thought leader. The time has come to realign your essence with your experience. We all know this world is changing. You're here now because you've personally felt it, and your reality has reflected the Truth Serum Podcast, getting to the root of what really is. And now, Dawn Bates. Right then, folks. Today I have with me someone that some people might actually be surprised I'm interviewing. But um, some people are even surprised I speak to this person. But... This person happens to be one of the closest people to me and um, is someone who I have grown a huge amount with, uh, got up to lots of misadventures and adventures together um, and um, is someone I deeply admire and have a lot of love for. So I'd like to introduce you to my ex-husband. I call him Ramo, but um, other people call him uh, Omar. Uh, his name is Omar Aisha. Uh, see, I still very have well the pronounced. Arab. Yeah, very well. <laughs> <laughs> I taught you well. <laughs> you did teach me well, um, but um, we um, we've got a lot of conversations that we're going to be having together on this series. Um, and we were like, okay, where do we start? Okay, well, let's just start, and we'll just see where it goes, what gets covered, what doesn't get covered. But uh, today, I wanted to. Um, I was going to be wanting to speak with you oh frozen frozen am i afraid am i back again you're back Do you like the ocean in the background um <laughs> can i swear it's pissing it down here <laughs> you're in england <laughs> you can swear i was told yesterday i have a potty mouth Highly offended, I was. I should be discussing that with him at another date. <laughs> um, but um, obviously, our sons, I sometimes look at them and think, oh, my God, like when I was their age. Um, I mean, when we were when I was Khalid's age, you and I met in a rave. Um, so I think if we start at giving context, uh, to how we met, the journey we took, um, and then uh, we'll dive into whatever comes up. So do you want to introduce yourself first, Ramo, and tell people a little bit about what you do in the world and who you are and what you stand for? So I think that would be quite interesting. <laughs> um, I, 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 I struggle with this. Um... So I am Omar, Omar, uh, what I do in the world. Uh, I guess now I'm a storyteller. Um, 
So I made a decision a few years ago to move into filmmaking. Uh, and yeah, just present a different view of the world. Um, not that I've been making many films recently, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm working on some projects now. Sorry, I'm not in, a, in the best mood because of the projects I'm working on are, are in danger because of someone got offended and told the DWP or funding the projects and uh, I was writing a strongly worded email to them today to tell them it's not their job to be morality police. So yeah. You're um, writing a strongly worded email. That's yeah. not like you. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, what, so what do I do? Yeah, I guess storyteller, uh, yeah, I like to tell stories. Um, and hopefully can make money from that. Uh, I don't really like talking about myself, to be honest. Um, working on a cartoon or a comic. A cartoon you, you know of, actually, that the idea started when we were together and I never got my ass into gear to do it. I'm finally making it now. Uh, that's, yeah, come, funding's come in danger. I'll still make it. We've, we've done loads of assets for it. So, which I can still use even if they don't fund it anymore. Um, I keep saying um a lot as well. What was the question? Sorry. <laughs> so, how we met? Yeah, we met in a rave. Uh, it's going to get specific. Room. Yeah, it was hard techno back in the day. Um, Having it. Ninety-five, ninety-six. Yeah, something like that. Ninety-six. Yeah. Um, Fourth of July, which is interesting. Was it really? Right, yeah, yeah, because I don't know whether you realise this, but we met on the 4th of July, which is the day I set up my business and I didn't realise that. And the only reason why I found out it was the 4th of July was because I was looking for a date to actually do some, like, just do some date work. And then you phoned me on the Tuesday and you said, I'll phone you on Tuesday at 7. That happened to be the 7th of July, which you know what the 7th of July was. Yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. And I was like, how mad is that? Like numbers, man. Whoa. Oh, shut up, you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we met back then in Milton Keynes in the UK. Um, uh, bear with me a second. I've got to go get the mosquito cream. Oh, hang on. Pause. But gladly. So I did. Uh, I did pause it, and uh, after that quick commercial break for the fact that Dawn does not like mosquitoes um and if you remember when we were in egypt and the first time i got bitten by a mosquito we ended up having that doctor there because i was growing a head out of my thigh and <laughs> had a very large injection in the ass which was i think i would have preferred the mosquito bite to be honest you know i bet your mother delighted in that <laughs> but yeah so we, we met all those years ago i was 18 you were 26 wild ride wild adventure um and there was quite a bit going on at the time we went through quite a lot together over the 18 years we were together um half my life by the time that we uh, we separated got divorced um had two amazing children what was the um 
And you mentioned there that you're doing your filmmaking and your storytelling. Now, for those that don't know, uh, you had a, an ultravenous malformation brain tumour. And for me, watching your journey, I've seen you come become more creative instead of the logical, analytical person you were before the brain tumour. Um, but something that we discussed over breakfast, the um, host of where I'm staying, was the delicate daisies. And you just mentioned it in the morality police. Um, you, you did also mention that you aren't very good at um, describing and something that you struggle with is describing who you are. But you are a thought leader. You may not be the gentlest of um, persuaders. Um, you might not be the most delicate of storytellers, but I think that's something that we had in common. What would you say that the, the biggest thing about these morale police you find uh, really annoying or that tell us about the moral police Ramo. Moral police well I don't know how this relates to parenting and all that but I mean um, yeah everyone seems to think that they have to tell everyone about how offended they are about things now um, everyone has a right to be offended by whatever the hell they want to be offended by, right? Um, but that doesn't mean that that automatically infers any kind of reaction uh, from me or from anyone else, right? Uh, one of the reasons I love the West uh, as you know, I came here as a four-year-old refugee in the early 70s. Uh, my dad's Palestinian. We, uh, my mum's Egyptian. Uh, and neither country uh, is free. Still isn't. Even Egypt officially is, but it isn't. It's a dictatorship. Uh, one, of the thing about, one of the things about the West is that you have freedom. And freedom is based on freedom of speech. That you can question things, you know, you question authority can question thought leaders um you're allowed to change your mind and yeah that seems to be being stripped away from us here on uh, traditionally it was by the far right you know by physically trying to stop people like me coming into the country they still are uh and now by the far left by going oh you're thinking wrong you should think this i don't want to think that if, you know, if I wanted people to tell me how I, how I thought, I'd stay in bloody Egypt. You know, you've got plenty of people there telling you how to think and act and dress and, <laughs> and whatnot. And now mm. the West is kind of turning into that, unfortunately. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's a, it's a problem. Uh, I don't know what more to say about it, really. Do you think that, um, for example... Uh, the other day, we were, I was having a conversation um, because a, a friend of mine who's going to be, be appearing on one of the uh, up-and-coming shows, um, she posted something about racism being a trauma response. Um, and um, 
I agree with her. Having following on from what happened with you and your brain trauma, um, I did a lot. I mean, <laughs> they gave me that leaflet on what epilepsy was. So I was like, it's not epilepsy. It's just because he's had two seizures doesn't make him epileptic. That's just rubbish. Just another well, way. Technically, it does. Mm, okay. One seizure does. Yeah, mm, but. For me, I see it as a way of just trying to push uh, anti-epileptic drugs onto people. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and uh, as we know, I told the doctors that you weren't going to stay on them and you were going to come off them. So we'll go into that on a different subject. But um, one guy was like, I'll oh, give me a link uh, to prove this. And I was like, you can't have a link. We can't discuss such a complex situation in one link. There's 22 years of my own study and experiencing racism and working within organization and re regional regeneration. We can't just give you a link and then all of a sudden I'm attacking them and I'm white supremacy and I know nothing about racism. <laughs> I'm like, Okay. And you know me, that was like pouring a whole tank of fuel on a, an already lit flat fire. Um, not just because of what you've experienced, what we both experienced, what I experienced, and what our children have experienced. And this is how it ties into the moral police, because people find it really interesting that you and I still speak with each other. But I believe that we have not just a duty, but a moral obligation to have ironed out our differences, which led to the divorce, um, or to actually just. Frozen again. Welcome to Nomad Life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm in a small fishing village. In yeah, I was going to say, that's the price yeah. of having all that bloody blue sky behind you while we're <laughs> pissed on here. You grew up in the hour, you did spend a quite a lot of time in some beautiful places yourself. So, you know, leave the jealousy at the door. <laughs> but um, so I think that um, looking at what we've both been through and what's going on now, um, I'm not living with the boys. You are. That's a um, that's caused a lot of issues for me. I've had a lot of hatred, a lot of nastiness, um, mainly from other women, um, because I refuse to obey uh, um, a view of parenting that's several hundred years old, um, probably going back thousands of years. It's not a model of parenting that we, you and I subscribe to. How do you feel about the have you had the moral police talking to you about the parenting setup we have? Oh, nice segue. <laughs> um, so I'm going to be a bit vain and take my uh, glasses off. Technically, because of the reflections and all that, but um, so yeah, I've had this discussion with people, and they've been more. Offended by you being away than by me, although when we were married, I was away a lot. Mm. Um, I think after the divorce, you said something along the lines of you were a single mother before we got divorced, right? Which 
kind of lone true. parent. I know, I know. How we <laughs> um, Split hairs. And uh, the thing is, when I was raised, um, my my father was away a lot, was a doctor, uh, and and there, there were periods where it was just me and mum and my brother while he'd working locum somewhere and then come back. And it was quite normal for Arabs, for people from the villages, the men from the villages to go and work in the city. And they'll be in the city all during the week or during the month, sending mon money back to uh, their family. Um, and basically the, the woman raising the family or the father is a provider, right? And so this traditional view of the woman being in the, in the house with the kids, that's her job, you know, and that's, that's her life basically, is obviously well embedded. And it's, I guess, more socially acceptable for, them, for the man to be away. Um, but the woman, uh, the thing is, if you look at traditional, culture it's not like there weren't other people you know um sorry i've lost my train of thought there there weren't other people involved in, in the raising of children you know uh and the fact that the father can be away but not the mother but i mean even you know there's there's plenty of families where you know mother dies or moves away or they get divorced and the parents are with, with the father and the, the mother's still away and the, and the kids are brought up you know they're, they're, I mean it's a, on the one side it's an argument against single parenthood now I'm not against single parents I'm a single parent now you're a single parent now um, it's not the easiest way to, to raise a kid um, but it's perfectly you know it's doable uh, but I mean, back to our specific circumstances. After we got divorced, uh, you know, I went away for a while to find myself. And at the time, our relationship wasn't, well, wasn't there at all. You, it was safe to say you didn't like me much. No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> well, which is fine, and, you know. Um, but I knew, uh, I did so safe from the knowledge that the kids were with you, you know, they were, you know, with their parent. And they were with you most of the time anyway before that. So it's not like... And I'm an awesome mum anyway. Of course, you know. Um, <laughs> well, you know, uh, that's why I had kids with you, because I thought, you, you know, you'd be a good mum. Um, I, I know that's one of the reasons you married me, because you, you thought I'd be a good dad. Uh, hopefully I have been uh, as... as I wouldn't have left the boys with you. Oh, yeah, of course, right? So where was I? Um, so, yeah, so and then we got divorced, and then um, we'd always said before that even, you know, if we did get divorced, the, the kids were the most important thing. I, uh, I'd held on to the marriage longer than I probably should have. Um, because I saw divorce as a failure and I was like, Me people too. don't get divorced, right? That's, that's a, well, 
from my upbringing was like you know although my mum's parents had got divorced back in a you know black and white days um egyptian uh people getting divorced back then was really taboo and they'd done it so i knew it existed and you know sometimes it needs to happen because that's the best thing that, that you know it's the best for for the kids and for the the husband and wife it was still the rest of my family on the whole people didn't get divorced so i saw divorce as a kind of failure even though i was unhappy and you were unhappy and we we're fighting a lot and the kids were seeing that you know uh, we finally got uh and we tried to fix things and we'd been through lots of traumas you know there was the, the brain tumor there was my car crash um there was your uh um, birth with Nasser and um, Egyptian business, uprising. yeah, <laughs> to Egypt and lo loads of stuff, right? Your mom, <laughs> yeah, my mom. Well, my mom was a traumatic for for me and for everyone that met her. <laughs> um, as much as I love her, as uh, strong as the ones, and as uh, strong uh, woman as she was. Yeah, um, I didn't want to make this clear about your mom. Your mom was one of those women who. You made friends with her. God help anyone that crossed you. She was your fiercest protector. Um, but if you if she didn't like you, it was very well known that she didn't like you. But she, even though um, your mum and I had, we say, a volatile, <laughs> explosive relationship, there was a very deep underlying respect for one another. Um, and I think that came from two very strong alpha women uh, from very different cultures, and you being her firstborn, you know, I took you away, kept her well, children, her yeah, grandchildren I mean, away, and there, there was that. But I always joke when I talk about my mum to people is that I, I doubt there's anyone she met that she didn't verbally abuse. Um, and we know what she we went we know some of the stuff she went through. So no, no, but I mean, I always also say after that is that. She's raised uh, in a country and in a time where, as a woman, to get your voice heard, you had to shout five times as you know as loud as a man, right? And even then, uh, you probably wouldn't get your way, or you know, or get your rights. Plus, she was in a family that were always trying to take from her, so she she developed this. Uh, uh, Egypt is a, a very extreme society currently. You know, you're always being bombarded by heat or noise or people or stupid laws or dictators or, you know, lack of freedom. So it's a very... It's a melting pot. Yeah, it's um, a boiling pot. Um, and, you know, we all have short tempers and uh, stuff like that. So I understand why she was the way she was. It wasn't helpful to you know those closest to her no. um when she did stuff like that but again she uh she managed she had to be that way uh well that's the way she short thought she had to be to protect herself and her kids and what she thought was right you know so i don't um i understand why she was the way she was but back to um yeah the the, the divorce um So yeah, I, I, because we've been unhappy for you know a number of years, um, and we'd 
admitted it a bit, but we were still fighting a lot. And we, you know, we went to counselling and all that, and it, it didn't work. And we met, you know, really young. We didn't know ourselves, uh, although I was much old. Well, I was 26. Um, emotionally, I was around your age because I was raised my teenage years in an Arab country. Um, so what people were doing here when they were like 14, you know, going out and getting drunk and whatnot, I only started doing when I was in my early 20s. Um, and yeah, relationships with the opposite sex and knowing myself and having freedom and, and all this, I, I experienced much later than most people do here, right? So emotionally speaking, we we're both quite young. We didn't know ourselves. Um, and yeah, as you grow and you, you learn what you like, you come to realize that it's not, maybe what the other person likes you know and but we were both committed to the, the kids and to the concept of marriage uh, and our marriage obviously and the business and all these other things and there were lots of pressures on us and stuff and so anyway yeah it was it was like okay so if the marriage is, itself is, is failing we don't want the, the family unit to fail um, and we didn't want to get to the stage where we resented each other so much that even though we, even though if we'd done the you know if we'd stayed married and then just become these parents that hated each other but stayed with each other for the kids you know that would have been felt by the it was being felt by the kids you know mm. arguments and shouting and, uh, mm. and all that it's a toxic environment right and the kids won't like it and blah 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 so um, but if we'd left it uh, much longer and got divorced, we still, you know, I don't think we're the kind of people who would have used the kids, tried to use the kids against each other, but there still would have been that extra resentment and stuff that would have still shown through, you know. So we, we did it in enough time that after the initial, obviously, hurt and Shock. upset and all this, we were able to come together um uh we haven't figured out all our differences i mean that's one of the reasons we, we you know we got divorced and we've stayed divorced but the differences that don't relate to the raising of our kids are irrelevant now right which is why we're divorced so it, it's the mature thing to do to um do what's right for us as individuals uh and for the children and after the divorce, you were the kids, and uh, developmentally speaking, you know, the, the important area, um, period of time for kids with their mother is, you know, pre-puberty. Uh, and then all things being equal afterwards, the father's role is, you know, more their guiding, traditionally speaking. Uh, again, there's no, you know, that way, but on average. So when I'm rambling now, long answer, <laughs> right? So yeah, after after the divorce, and then um, I'd been on, you know, I went away for a while to find myself and clear my head and all that hippie mumbo jumbo. Um, when I came back I, to Sheffield, the hippie stuff, yeah, all right. I'm a hippie as well. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, I went to marriage if you want. Well, I have a hippie. Element to me. 
And uh, I, I know that you wanted to do what you're doing now, right? And you'd wanted to do it for ages. Mm. Uh, and you had that opportunity. Because I've been away from the kids so long, I thought well, it was only fair that, you know, I want to be with the kids. Uh, and if it's going to be any time for me to be with the kids, it's now as they're growing into, you know, young men. Having man time. Mum has been placed by Alexa. <laughs> oh, yeah. And reclining chairs and <laughs> disco oh, yeah, lights. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the thing for me. It's um, I, I know that in Islam, uh, you know, and in a lot of the Abrahamic faiths, it says about the, the mother being with the children for the first seven years, the father for the next seven, and then the community for the following seven. Um uh, you know, paraphrasing, obviously. So for all those Islamics out there or the Muslimics, as the, like, the British like to call them, <laughs> um, then, you know, as we know, I made a documentary many years ago with Channel 4 and I got oh, a lot yeah. of hatred because obviously I was white and I knew nothing about being a Muslim. Um, but, um, you know, the whole thing about, for me, it was important because I remember saying to you when we stood in the, the lounge uh, that it doesn't matter that we weren't married. We would always be the Aisha family. Um, well, and, yeah, you're, you're always going to be their mum. I'm always going to be their dad. Yeah. And it, it's kind of, um, it, it, it's so stupid that if someone gets divorced, that all of a sudden this person that at one point, you know, you're married to that you've had kids with right suddenly becomes the devil yeah they become the devil i mean i'm sure some people are toxic and you want to cut them out and they're fair enough right but on the whole you're married to them you have a bloody kid with them you know mm. multiple children uh so both sides should you know do their best to accommodate um the, the kids firstly Absolutely. Well, children. The other person. Yeah. So because yeah, it was only it was only fair, like I say, people, it was only fair that you go uh and find yourself. Um you'd done the heavy lifting. You're the one that was with the kids when they were younger and it was harder to for you to have your own life, you know. Um so you know, I got the easy years really as well you got the teenage years I yeah they were well easy. <laughs> easy in the sense that you know i can leave them in, in the house now um <laughs> and not be worried about you know someone are they gonna the burn counselor. it down no well that but also some <laughs> i mean they were never really in the danger that because we've raised them to be conscious and you know yeah i will be honest here i was actually safely. more worried about you and handling the boys than i was about you with the boys because like you say you know even and I remember um, your mum at one point when Helid I think it was about four or five and he's taking the roast chicken out of the oven ready to take it through to the dining room and your mum came in she's having a fit like oh my god why is he near the cooker get him like and I was just like because he's been trained how to use a cooker <laughs> you know we've always trained our children to be around the cookers around campfires well I'll have uh, the uh, knives um, because again, the difference between the two of us is. Oh, yeah, very... and then Khalid's gone and done that with the knife. And, but anyway, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, I was just like ready to book a flight. 
I was like, I don't ever want to come back to the UK to live ever. Um, the thought of visiting, like, I mean, I remember the last time I did a, one of my surprise visits, just sitting in the gate area of the airport, surrounded by British people. I was like, I don't want to be here. I really don't want to be here. I could feel the suffocation starting and getting well, on a yeah. plane with loads I of mean, Brits. To, to, be, to, be fair, to be fair, Egyptians aren't that much better. People oh, no, but at least they give a clap when, when the pilot lands the plane. <laughs> they still do. Um, Egypt there, God bless it. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, going back to, so, for example, we, so we've raised the children and, you know, we've done a bloody good job. Um, and, it, I mean, even though you were away a lot, we did have family meal times together, you know, like I would phone you and you would make the time. And, you know, even though you weren't there in person, you were on speakerphone and the boys would share time with you. and whenever you came back at weekends, um, it was a lot of the time, I'm going to sleep. <laughs> and you were just having that space with the boys. Um, and, you know, and you'd wake me up and there'd be pancakes and there'd be coffee. Um, and, you know, while I was away, you did encourage me to take care of myself. And, you know, I'd go to the spa on a regular basis, which, you know, very appreciative. Thank you very much. And there was something that... Um, you said to me very early on that if you don't respect the mother, you don't teach the children to respect the mother. And I think that one of the things um, that our situation is really showing the boys, uh, I mean, I, I'm struggling to call them boys now because, I mean, Khair is 18, Nasser is 14 going on 24. Uh, he's so, I'm like, oh my God, they're so smart and wise and wise ass um oh, you know, Kyle talks like that doesn't he i remember the first time i heard his voice on the phone i was like <laughs> who the hell's that <laughs> yeah Wait, well this is the thing when i arrived when we'd um i'd been sailing i think i'd been at sea for about six or seven weeks and i arrived in las Malvinas. um and to those british people li listening that's the falklands i'm so not british i even call it las Malvinas. Um, and um, that's for a different political show. <laughs> um, when I'd left, Khalid, he'd had a little bit of bum fluff. You know, it was just gracing. You know, it's a little bit of a shadow. And then I arrive and I log in. I think first people I speak to are the boys. And he appears on screen with a goatee. And I'm just looking at him going, what the hell? And I remember the shock going through me, thinking, this is not him telling me he's a man. This is not society telling me he's a man. This is not you or me telling him he's a man. This is his body showing me he's a man. And he's so fiercely protective over me. Um, and, you know, he is such an honorable and respectful young man. Well, they both are. But... When NASA came out at the uh, beginning of this year and I'm watching him and I'm hearing his voice break, I'm like, oh, my God, I don't think I'm Yeah, no, no, he's not here, so we weren't here. I won't embarrass him. But, yeah, he's, he's got underarm him now and, yeah, he's, he's sprouting as well. He's not going to be happy with you for saying that. Just a fact, you know. That's what happens when you reach puberty. He's, like, properly in it now. So. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, like I said, I think I had the early years <laughs> that were the easiest. 
But again, going back, sorry to go back. Digress, I, I want to yeah. go back to something when you were saying about you know people having a go at you and and you know how dare you be the mother and be away. And I know how hard it is for you to be away because it was hard for me when I was away, not being around them growing up and all that. But like I said, you were you were there for the, the they're all important years. But you know the the real important years, right? Um, I, I needed that. Well. Um, no, no, let's just let's get clear here, ladies and gentlemen. He mm. did say to me, I don't know how you did it. You made it look so easy. It was like you had a team of people with you. Like, so I just want to make sure that. Oh, know. yeah. Like I said, I've, I've, I've got the <laughs> easiest now, you know. So Khal is taller than He's been taller than me for a while, right? He's so I can be taller than you, Ramo. Sorry? He was always going to be taller well, than I know you. that. I know that. But I mean, so I can, I can leave him in the house, uh, uh, legally speaking. You know, not worry about some busybody going. Oh, you know, you you're you're being a bad parent and all that. Whereas you had to deal with all that. I didn't. Um, yeah, quite literally. Yeah, okay. I know, I know. So, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, like I said, it, it was only uh, only fair that you get to become you. You know, the the that you always wanted to. Um, while I, you know, carry some of the the load and be with them and. Uh, and get some time to be their their parent. But going back to the, you know, you, this is what a mother should be like, or this is what a father should be like. Neither of us have, have really fit into um, the cultures that we were raised in, you know. Uh, and to be uh, also, m my parents didn't. Um, so although my parents were both traditional conservative uh, Muslim uh, Arabs, my mum married outside of. You know, I know that was a big thing. Back uh, her family were, were well against her marrying a Palestinian, not because they had anything against Palestinians, but because of the political problems and blah blah blah. Right? Um, my father. Your dad was, a, was so adorable. Yeah, my father was a, you know the the first one to get a degree in his family and work abroad and come here and you know, uh, and my mum, uh, uh, although I painted a, you know, a fierce picture where she was in one sense, very liberal, or I used to have conversations with her about mm. things that I would never expect a, a, a conservative Egyptian woman to to talk about. <laughs> she used to talk to me about, she'd watch a documentary on BBC or ITV, it's usually more ITV and Channel 4. Oh, you see these, like, you know, all this and sexual that and blah, 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 and slaves and, you know, gimps and whatnot. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and, and talks I about remember stuff you, that, Mum. <laughs> having that kind of conversation once and I nearly spat all my tea out and it came out my it came out my nose and everything. I was like, oh my yeah, so god. So I've just got were, a few tears that yeah. are escaping because of Bob. Uh, although they were both uh, in one sense very traditional, they were also both um open minded. And we didn't but in That's some senses, we, we we conformed to you know the stereotypes, but in others we didn't at all, right? And so I've been lucky, uh, and you haven't con conformed to stereotypes, you know, since you were young. Um, and so we we never really felt the need to fit into other people's ideas of how things should be done in general, right? So why now? Fuck everyone! They're not living our lives. They don't know. Mm. Uh, as long as we know we're doing what we know is important. Um, as a parent, my job is, you know, to prepare my offspring to be independent adults, right? So 
you you've been doing that since a young age, teach, teaching them how to cook and whatnot. Me too. I had to step out of my comfort zone. I remember the you know uh, when you. I still get a bit worried, uh, even with the kids now their age, walking to school alone. Right. Um, I remember uh, Nasser when. Come on, how old he was. 10 or 11 and using the bus by himself and i'm like ah, you know because i didn't i didn't have that freedom growing up um i was uh i led a sheltered although i was a refugee i led a sheltered middle class life i didn't have any personal freedom until i until i was 16 and uh left home and went to uni um but i had to push through that uh, because yeah, they need to learn to be, you know, functioning uh, grown-ups who can look after themselves. And so how did you feel when you knew that they were flying back from New Zealand? I mean, how did you prepare yourself for that? Like, there's our 11-year-old and our 15-year-old well, getting on a flight. I'm, in New I, I, I'm still more worried about them getting on the bus than I am by them getting on the plane, because. Um, airports and planes are very controlled environments. You know, there's a lot of security. There's you can't really get off a plane, you know, on the, at the wrong stop and you know, or get abducted or, or whatnot. Once you're on a plane, you're there until the end. And even in the airport, uh, although I'm sure people do get abducted or, or, or you know get lost, it's much harder to, mm. to un, until you pass security. You know, uh, until you come out, for much to happen. So I wasn't that worried. Uh, yeah, no, them going on a bus um, still worries me more uh, than being on a plane. The plane is not. The plane was more about logistics, you know, because I haven't done it before. They're going to get, you know, they're doing a transit thing and they're going to get uh, flustered, read the wrong thing, you know. Uh, yeah, see, this is the thing, like, when NASA came out here to Brazil at uh, the beginning of the year, 14 years old, well, he was 13 when he took off, 14 when he arrived back with you. Um, I was like, how did it feel? You know, you, you've just flown from the UK across the Atlantic, um, and, you know, you, you've arrived here in Brazil. How did you get on navigating? And he goes, well, it's not really that hard, is it? You just read the signs and follow them, really. It's not rocket science, mother. <laughs> it, isn't, like, it isn't. <laughs> okay. But again, it's um, the fact that he ha he's 14 years old and has that level of confidence. I mean, well, he did it when he was 12 alone. and went to yeah. see you in um, Thingy. Uh, and I know that uh, oh, I could see it in his responses and his actions. Uh, it, you know, it made him feel grown up. Mm. It made him feel responsible for himself. And, uh, and, and that we trusted I, I was him. never worried about him not knowing how to follow instructions and read signs. It was more about, you know, if some, you know, idiot um, behind a desk, you know, makes a mistake or, you know, someone says something. I was worried about those kind of things, not him following instructions because things are yeah, nice, easily laid out. He's not an idiot, you know. Uh, it was just if something happened because I know that, you know, employees make mistakes or... <laughs> like, uh, like when when he he came back the first time and, and this guy mm. let him out and he was a busy body well, you know if you weren't here we'd take him into it. i was like yeah i know all this you don't need to tell me you don't need to try and make out that 
you care about my son more than I do, you know? Obviously, there are parents who don't care about the children. Fine, but... Um, so going back, now that we've uh, given that whole background and, like, people have kind of had more of an idea, like, and I've had a lot of women hating on me, what have been the reaction from the, the men and the women in your space about you doing, uh, about the parenting model and... Well, it's probably because, been um, it's probably been the opposite to you. They they uh, if anyone, although they won't have said much, um, they'll have looked down on you, right, for being away from your kids. How dare you? Because uh, I left them outside of a supermarket and said, "Crack on, lads." Yeah, you know. <laughs> um, and to me, they're probably like, "Oh, wow." Such an enlightened man, you know, it's probably been positive more for me because of like, oh, look, a man who's being a father, a father who's actually acting like a father, which is probably a bad. Sad. A what? I find it really sad. Yeah, because yeah. Because women it's, it's, uh, and mothers micromanage and chastise and critique the fathers so much. Um, and like I said, the, for me, the men have said to me, I mean, when we've been having conversations and their wife has got up and like gone to the bathroom and we, or we've been out for dinner or like, we, you know, we've, wherever we've been, like, and they've said, well, who's looking after your kids then? I'm like, well, their dad, they're with their dad. And they're like, oh, I wish my wife would fuck off and let me raise the kids by myself for a bit, teach them what it is to be a man or to teach my daughter what it is to, you know, what men are really like or et cetera, et cetera. Well, so I mean, it's like a, a um, it's like a judgment on how little society thinks of men as fathers, mm. uh, which is I yeah, think it is. which is sad. Um, and we can argue about whose fault that is. Uh, you know, I think it's both. You know, but society is made by men and women, so it's both mm -hmm. their faults. You know, men are raised by mothers. If you don't like. How men are in society you know well, you know yeah obviously the person doing the thing is responsible for the thing they're doing but you got to look at the whole thing you know they were raised by a mother and and, and this and that so why aren't you having to go up mothers for not raising their sons better to look after mm. women you know um and obviously men should raise their sons better and their daughters better we should all raise our, our kids better right but uh, yeah it's a it's more more uh, a testament to how uh, fucked up society is in with regards to mothers and fathers than to us as individuals you know i'm mm. i'm confident that we're doing okay we you know we're doing a, a good enough job whatever anyone else thinks you know they're entitled to their opinion it's got nothing to do with me you know? Mm. Okay, so looking at where the, our boys are now um, <clears throat> and the fact that going back to our divorce um, and people saying to me, well, how can, you, how can you still speak with him? How, why are you still friends with him? I'm like, for me, how could I not be? Because... We, you know, like you said, we, we met, you know, when I was 18, you were 26, similar kind of uh, maturity. Um, 
similar kind of childish adventure curiosity. We're both very, very similar. Um, we both were both, I mean, this may shock a lot of people, but we are both very shy, very introverted people in a lot of ways. Um, and we have our explosive moments. We are very extrovert with those. I think there's a label for it, the extrovert introverts. We, when we're in our comfort, when we're with people that we trust and we like, we can. Gone again. You're frozen. Am I back? You're back. Okay. One of the things that I know helped me step out of my shyness and out of my introversion was taking drugs back in the day. Um, I use those as a way of building my confidence. I use them as a way of finding my voice. Now, again, I'm not advocating taking drugs and going out there, but, you know, when it comes to raising our children, <laughs> I would rather our boys, <coughs> um, you know, I'm glad that I had that experience because now I'm like, you know, I can be there for my boys and I would rather them have a joint than I would have a, a glass of alcohol. I would rather them, um, you know, I want them to experience life, you know, and we, we've been having this conversation about cannabis and how our brain is, you know, designed to actually uh, have cannabinoids interact with our neural pathways because we've got CBD receptors within our brains. So I'm, I'm completely at ease. And I remember Khalid coming home from school one day telling me that there'd been some kids uh, school having a joint. And I was like, oh, did you have some? He goes, no. I was like, oh, why not? <laughs> you know, playing with him, see what his reaction was going to be. He goes, well, you, you smoke it, mummy. Like, there's nothing, um, like, they're all rebelling against their parents. I don't have to rebel against you. You're worse than me anyway. I'm going to go do my homework. I'm like, oh, what? So, well, yeah, to, um, <coughs> sorry to butt in. The, I'm used to it. Yeah, I know, we're <laughs> Arabs. We do it. Yeah, it's fine. You do it as well. The, um, I'm more Arab than I am English, apparently. Someone said to me the other week, I was like, really? Yay. <laughs> raving. Uh, raving holds a, uh, a special place in my heart because I, uh, mm. although you can hear my voice, I'm English culturally speaking, and I think of myself as English uh, and all this. When I came back to the country as a 21-year-old after graduating in Egypt, um, I never actually experienced, I was... I don't know if lucky is the word, but I never actually experienced that much racism because on the face of it, I'm integrated. I sound mm. like proper English, you know. Uh, I you know, like fish and chips and Liverpool and football club and all the normal things that English people do, right? But uh, normal English people. <laughs> um, oh, but I still right, felt... Right. Are you yeah, right now, no, Ramo? Do you need some medication? <laughs> I still felt uh, out of place. And uh, although I'd done drugs before and alcohol and I was going out and um, going to clubs and nightclubs and, and all that, still kind of felt out of place. And going raving was the first time that I felt that I was being accepted for who I was, not what I was. Now, I'm sure drugs had 
a big a thing to, to do that. They're in, <laughs> integral. Now they're integral to the to the rave scene, but they used to be. No, it still is, right? Really? But 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 drugs are integral to every scene here. They're you know if you don't tell me that you know the the people going well, you know I've gone out and experienced you know as as much as I can of of life, and you go to any pub or club or or anything and yeah the the proportion of drugs to alcohol changes but everyone's doing drugs everywhere right so it's not just the drugs they're doing out and raving has its own culture that was all about you know peace love unity and respect uh, and i really felt that and it helped me integrate uh, into back into um it, into england and and feel uh, as i said accepted for for what I'm doing, as opposed to the color of my skin or my name or what job I have or all the other um, boring What's stuff. Name where you come from, what you've done. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> what was the thing we're talking about after that? Racism. The boys. Uh, well, so like... yeah. So one of one of the um, the things that I didn't like about my parents was there was a lot of taboo subjects. Not so much for my mum. My mum would talk about anything quite openly, and I liked that. My dad was a bit more uh, conservative, but even my mum. Oh, I certain... found the exact opposite with your dad. Maybe that was a male-female thing. I don't know. Um, my, my... Maybe it was the books we shared. <laughs> um, but there were things that my mum, what culturally was taboo, so. When my dad had cancer, for example, she wouldn't even say the word cancer, like saying the word cancer made it worse or something. Uh, mm. When I had my brain tumor, she wouldn't um, she wouldn't discuss it medically or as my dad would. There was all these like, why aren't you talking? It's just a fact, right? It's not like the saying... Jumping on this. Be quiet for a second, please. <laughs> Your dad, when um, I remember when we, we landed back in the UK, because we'd, we were in Greece when you had your seizures, and we'd spent, well, you, well, we had both spent five days in a Greek island hospital. I can't remember. I think it was at Zante or something. We were, you know, and we'd arrived on the Sunday. It was the first holiday with my parents that I had had um, since I was 16, and it was the first time that the four of us had actually found some kind of common ground and this was like a big thing for me you know because it was like my, well my dad was considering and had agreed to spend any length of time with both of us um and that's a whole different issue and episode of itself because <laughs> I mean my dad didn't even eat pasta and rice because it was foreign muck <laughs> he does eat rice now though <laughs> And he's even had Thai chicken. Wow. <laughs> Things have moved on. <laughs> but um, I remember on the flight back, um, Ian, we've got the medical team there. You're drugged up to the eyeballs of a different kind. I was like, I bet if he actually really had any comprehension of what they've just put in his body and we put some techno on, he's he having a great time. And I remember Rob, a friend of ours at the time, when we told him, what had happened and I and I remember him saying to us and I, in a split second I was really angry and hurt by what Rob said but he said oh I bet if we'd have put some techno on while you were having that seizure it looked epic and he diffused 
the upset and the pain I was and the fear that I was having around what was happening with you. But I remember when we arrived back and I was like, I've got to tell his parents. And I was like, okay, his dad's a doctor. I've got to just explain it to his dad. His dad's going to be cool, calm and collected. His dad's going to put the medical experience on it. And then he can tell your mum. And your dad told him, I can't even remember what your dad told him. I think your dad, uh, sorry, your dad told your mum something like so that she didn't lose the plot. Um, that you'd fallen over or something. <laughs> and, oh, he's just in hospital. He's just fallen over. Not that you'd had like two grand mouth seizures and, you know, all of this was going on. But your mum, even when she arrived in the UK, and, oh, that was a whole level of stress I didn't need at that time. Um, but obviously I understood why she was there. She's your mum. She needed to be there. But I noticed that she couldn't bring herself to say and deal with it in a way because, like you say, it was just not – like even in Egypt, if you're dyslexic, when I worked in the schools out there, you weren't – children weren't dyslexic. They well, were quite like, happy yeah, to like say they were from, ADHD, though, because that was like a fashion trend. It's like, it's like here from like 40 years ago where, you know, mm. mental – anything – still now, you know, mental illnesses – frowned upon like a defective or something and disability and and all this so it's all these old old um, um beliefs so i was always conscious of not wanting to be like that as a parent mm. um, and i know you weren't and uh, in this culture the families that um try and repress things yeah, like you say, the kids grow up trying to rebel against the thing they're mm. repressing, right? But alcohol is people drink in front of the kids. You know, they have alcohol in the house. Mm. And if the parents are responsible, um, on the whole, the kids don't go overboard, don't try and, you know, get drunk on whiskey uh, that's in the cabinet at night or whatnot. So why? I mean, I know most um, of the fun drugs are illegal. but there's no, um, there's no reason why, you should, why, uh, why anyone can explain to me why I should treat the drug alcohol any differently to any other drug. And just go, well, look, this is what this does. You know, sometimes I do this and this and this, and this is what it does for me and why I do it and I like it. If you want to do it, you're going to be, um, you know, grown up in enough time, I'm sure. I know the stats here. I, I would say a majority of Brits have done one drug or another they may not do them regularly but they've done them right uh, below a certain age below my they age they did anyway. but they didn't inhale yeah <laughs> uh, well no if they're if they're tory then they they snort it they don't inhale it anyway but um yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah drugs have been around for ages. <laughs> yeah well yeah exactly there's certain drugs that are you know frowned upon that it's like why why are you treating one drug differently to another mm, well i say um, you know if you're not willing to give your kids the line of cocaine for breakfast why are you giving them sugar because sugar is far more addictive than cocaine but people don't want to accept that because they've they bought into that lie that sugar is okay they bought into this lie that what they're eating is food when it's not it's just a bunch of chemicals like ranging from weed killer and rat poison and formaldehyde and sugar and 
I mean, if you can't read it and spell it, why are you even eating it? You know, <laughs> unless it's makashira, which I can actually say now and I can spell. And that's just like, a, it's a bit like a makashira is, a, it's the root vegetable. It's a bit like a potato, but it's where tapioca comes from. Uh, here in the north of Brazil, it's called makashira. But down in the south, it's called mandioca. And it's the plant that um, tapioca comes from. Okay. A little bit of culture there for you. Culture and science. <laughs> um, what were we talking about? I forgot now. <laughs> Back in the day. <laughs> Back in the day. <laughs> what were we talking about? What was your name again? Yeah. Um, <laughs> talking about the boys and you doing, uh, you going out, leaving them, like the drug culture in the UK and how that impacts uh, the kids and. You know, that was what we so, were So, yeah, about. I mean, well, one thing you, 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 you learn quickly as a parent is that the kids are going to learn stuff from other kids at school. Even if you're hiding facts about life and, uh, uh, you know, and making sure they're not watching the wrong things on telly and all this, they're going to go to school and come back with these weird ideas about sex and drugs and uh, and loads of stuff, right? And if you haven't got a relationship with them where you can talk to them about this kind of stuff, they're going to grow up with some weird notions about specifically sex and drugs that they're going to learn from other kids and, and kids are all blagging about, yeah, I do this and I do that and I'm shagging all the time and blah, blah, he tries to do this. And um, if I'm talking about them about this stuff, then at least I know I'm giving them, from my point of view, something that's a bit more based in research than hearsay. Mm. So I do find I, sometimes when I speak about certain things, fairly NASA especially, mother, no, we're not having that conversation. I'm like, why not? And like, bless him, Nasa colours up. I mean, we can see when he blushes quite easily. He blushes. He's like me. He blushes really quite easily. Um, but yeah, they. I, I've always. We've always agreed. Um, and I think this is why, you know, the fact that we can, after divorce, be great co-parents because we have very similar ideas of openness and. Uh, we are willing to have the conversations and why our boys are the way they are because they know that they can come to us and talk about anything. They are not going to get told what to do. We are just saying, look, there's this information. This is my view. This is, you know, and yes, there are certain things where, I mean, you do it a lot better than me because you've got the Arab eyebrows. And when I try and do the eyebrow thing, I mean, I've got the look. You've got the eyebrows. <laughs> um, but the boys know when they've crossed the line. They know when they're getting near the line and they know what we will accept and what we won't accept. And we've always said that when I'm with you, there is a certain level of behaviour or decorum. I mean, being called a potty mouth yesterday, I was just like, I'm not a potty mouth. Do I swear? Yes. But I also find that it's appropriateness. Um, Whereas there are some, I mean, I would classify a potty mouth as somebody who actually really does need to learn a few more words in the folk dictionary. You know, that every other word is a, is a curse word. Um, but I think that 
with the way in which we've both raised the boys and the way in which we share information with them has gone a long way to building a very strong relationship that we have with them, both I together so. and individually. I mean, that, you know, again, that's the reason we had kids together in the first instance. I think the, the reason mo a lot of people, I won't say most people, maybe most people find it shocking is that maybe they weren't conscious in their choice of having a child with someone in the first place. So mm. after they get divorced, well, obviously, if you had the child with the wrong person or some person that you don't align with, then obviously after divorce, you're going to align even less, right? Um, mm. So I think the, the, the problem is way before the divorce thing. Um, like I always used to say people, and they always used to get shocked back in, back in the day when I used to say to them, I didn't marry you because I love you. I married you because, you know, I thought you'd be a good wife and husband, um, husband and uh, mother, husband. right? Yeah, a good wife and <laughs> husband, right? Um, because, I, you know, I thought you'd be a good wife and mother because we agreed uh, on, on the, what we thought were key values about certain things, openness and blah, 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 right? And uh, the, those, those haven't changed because we got divorced. So, um, mm. so yeah, that's, the, that's, that's my view on that. So, I mean, again, for me, when we did get divorced, um, and the amount of people that said to me, oh, well, there's this really good lawyer. You can take him for every penny he's got. You can, and I was just like, okay, <laughs> no, because who's going to win out of that? And we both agreed that going to the solicitors wasn't going to be a thing. Because the only people that would benefit from that would be the lawyers. It would be really long and drawn out. Um, and yeah, lawyers are lawyers are just below politicians in my love list, hate list. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. As well, a we all know yeah. what I think of lawyers. <laughs> and if you don't go read Crossing the Line, really great book by yours truly. Um, and um, uh, and the thing for me is that um, what was I talking about? Oh, what was I just talking about? Um, lawyers, people telling you to go to lawyers to. Oh yeah, and for me it was just like no, like I don't. I my parents got divorced when I was younger, and I remember um, thinking, oh, why don't I see my dad more often? And then as I got older, I was like, oh yeah, that's why I don't see him more. Often. <laughs> but yeah, not even. I have a father and I have a dad. Um, and for me, the two are very, very separate. And my dad is a very, very special guy. Um, and um, even though he has only just learned to eat rice and foreign mark, um, <laughs> God bless him. Um, but um, I love you, dad. Um, but the, um, it was like, okay, right. Well, we're just, we're just going to get divorced. I'll just do my name change by default. You can get divorced by email these days. It's all fine. It's just a quick email. And I think it's like about 30 quid English. Uh, it starts from that price anyway. And it was like, and you will see the kids as much or as little as you want to. You will contribute as much as little as you want to. Because at the end of the day, this is between us and how you are as a parent. And that's how I am as a parent. But who you are as a human and who, who I am as a human and how we treat each other 
is going to be an example of how our children grow up to treat um, others, but also how they treat their father and how they treat their mother and how they view it. So when I see all of these parents that are bitching and being nasty and vile and, oh, well, he's not going to see the kids and she's not going to, she's doing it wrong. And, and I see these mothers emasculating the fathers in front of the children. Now, obviously, I, I mean, I've now been to about 50 different countries. Okay, I'm beating you, Ramo. <laughs> um, imagine, I'd never been on a train until I was 19. I'd never been on a plane until I was 21. And here I am, I've now clocked up. I think it's around about 50 countries. Either just more, a little few, a few more or a few less. Uh, and you were the one that spoke two languages, and now I'm the one that speaks five all in one sentence um, and get really confused. Every time I want to speak to someone in Arabic, Spanish and Portuguese comes out and a little bit of Italian. And every time I want to speak Portuguese or Spanish, Arabic comes out, and I'm just like, oh, I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. Um, and some people did say that now I speak rubbish in five languages, but that's cheeky little stuff. But anyway, <laughs> um, the... Um, but for me, it was just like how we model the behavior. If I was being nasty to you, and I remember Khalid was really upset with you um, shortly after it um, all happened. And I remember we'd be driving along and a song would come on the radio or we'd go, so the boys and I would go somewhere and I'd be like, oh, yeah, your dad and I went here or your dad and I used to listen to this. And da -da. and Khalid was like, stop making him sound so good, mummy. And I was like, but Khalid, your dad was a really great man, is a really great man. I wouldn't have spent that much time with him and I wouldn't have tried to work at the marriage for that long. I wouldn't have had you and your brother with him if he wasn't a great man. Uh, and it was, you know, working through that with the boys. Now, I believe that the way in which we have behaved, because I know that what happened with me just before I left, um, there was uh, a very traumatic experience that I went through, not just the Scotland saga, but um, what was explained in the first book in the Sacred series, Moana. Um, but uh, you were the only person I knew that I could trust and that I could turn to. And I remember when you walked through the door, the first thing you did was give me a big hug. Um, and I know that when there have been problems or I've been, like you said, I do find it really hard being away from the boys. So when people are really vile and nasty to me about not being with the boys, um, you know, like how dare I and, you know, what kind of example am I setting? But then I have, you know, this 83-year-old woman come up to me in a marina in this, in Lanzarote. She goes, you're the mermaid lady, aren't you? <laughs> I'm like, yes. You know, getting recognized in marinas and in places now is getting a bit of a thing. So that's all cool. I'm getting there. I'm getting to learn that if I'm in a coffee shop or in a marina, it's going to happen at some point. Um, it, used to be, uh, it used to be me that was a minor celebrity. Now it's you. <laughs> yeah. Um, it does take some getting used to. I've been recognized in the street in Auckland and on islands. And it's uh, a bit weird, but it's all right. Um, it's why I, even though I talk about a lot of these things, these topics, I'm still a very private person. But one of the things that um, this 83-year-old lady came up to me and said was, um, you, are, you are the young ladies of today that me and my friends fought for, my friends died for. 
because we gave up so much and fought so hard for women to have the life that they've always dreamed of and to follow their dreams rather than being chained or imprisoned within a, a social construct. Um, and she gave me such a big hug um, and said thank you for being and doing what you're doing because it's so important that women remember that they are much more than mothers, much more than wives, um, and that they're not here just to serve other people, that they, they are themselves important. Um, and when you have an 83-year-old woman who you don't even know, who has no loyalty to you, no, way, no reason to blow smoke up your ass, saying that to you, and telling you that it's what her friend, her and her friends fought for and what her friends died for. And you're just sat there having a nice cup of tea, writing a book. You know, that really hits home that what we're doing and the fact that you are one of my biggest supporters in this journey. Um, and, you know, whether you admit it and whether you take that or not, I know that yesterday when I was recording with Adam, he wouldn't take the praise for helping me with the podcast. I mean, you know how technically challenged I am. Um, the boys roll their eyes loudly at me on regular occasion, the fact that I don't know how to do certain things with my phone. Uh, they're like, oh, really, mother? I'm like, well, it's just I don't know how to do that. They're like, oh, just give it here. Um, and... I think also the fact that we have praised the boys, but we've not over-praised the boys as well. Um, like, we tell the boys they're awesome, but we also tell them, like, you're being a bit of shit right now. Stop it. You know, or you're being a bit arrogant, or you're being, um, you know, and I would always say to the boys that when they were being naughty, I'd always make it clear to them and use the analogy of when they were dressing up in all their dressing up clothes, look, just because you're being naughty at the moment doesn't mean to say that you're naughty all the time. Just like when you're dressed up as Power Rangers or Spider-Man doesn't mean that you are a Power Ranger or a Spider-Man always. You are just in that moment being that entity or that energy. Um, and I think that it's really important that the boys realize that when you're being a mother behind all of that, you are a woman, you are a person with your own dreams your own values, your own ideas, your own pains, your own worries. And when we were going through that divorce, uh, I remember people saying to me, don't cry in front of the children. Don't cry in front of them. Don't badmouth their father. But I was like, well, one, I'm not going to badmouth him. Yes, I'm angry with him. And like, if the boys were, and if I was in that moment of pain, and I was really like, oh, my God, we failed. And, you know, like I, when I got married, it was mar I married for life and I wanted the 40th wedding anniversary and I wanted the 50th golden wedding anniversary. I really did want that ruby w wedding ring. Um, I, I was very disappointed. <laughs> but for me not to have shown the boys um, emotion, I believe, would have negated everything that we had been through because it, if I hadn't have shown them upset it would have meant that they didn't get to see how much it meant to me and how much you meant to me and how much our family meant to me and how much marriage means and how um you know when the boys have said to me will you get married again mummy and I'm like yeah I hope to one day I hope to get married again I'm not off the idea of marriage but I also know that that whoever it is I do marry has got to earn me. 
he's got to earn his space by my side, but he's also got to deal with the fact that you and I have this close relationship that we we are in contact, you know, weekly. You know, we, we speak quite a lot. Um, and it's going to take a very special kind of man for me and a very special kind of woman for you to understand the fact that, you know, we have this relationship. We are family. We do have this history. Um, and I know for a fact that if ever there was something that happened to you and you were rushed to hospital, I know that I would be on a flight back home to the UK um, to be by your side and to be with the boys because everything that we've been through, I know your medical history better than most people. <laughs> um, but again, it would be that level of support. And I really do wish that people who have listened to this today um, and have seen how we have interacted and how we've got to this point, um, I really hope that they actually take something from it because, and I know that we're going to have many, many more conversations about many other things, but I don't like seeing people be nasty to one another. You know, I don't like seeing uh, whether, you know, they're other women to other women or men to other men or men to women, women to men. I hate seeing women emasculate men. I really hate seeing mothers prevent fathers from parenting uh, and picking up on the point that you said there like for example I chose to have children with you and I remember one of the conversations before we even got engaged and I said to you look if we're going to do this then you know we've got to agree on certain things you know like we it's not just for me it wasn't just about oh let's just get married and have loads of sex you know it was like no if I'm going to get married to you it's because you are going to be a great father to my children. I choose you to be the father of my children before I choose to marry you. Um, and I was never going to have children outside of marriage because, again, I'm very old school, you know, and I think that it's really important to understand that a lot of the people that do have kids, they don't choose the husband based on him being a father. Um, yeah. So I just wanted to thank you because I know that we're coming up to the top of the hour, uh, maybe just a little bit over the hour, and I know that you've got other things to do. But is there anything else uh, that you'd like to add about the parenting model that we've got um, or anything that you would like to say to someone? You know, I mean, this is called the truth serum. Um, and uh, Well, um, uh, you know, I'm sure a little bit of um, stuff towards me from you seeped out every now and then uh, and I think Khalid specifically probably saw the upset you were going through and made it mean stuff about me and he you know he he hated me for a bit when I was yeah. back and uh, and all this and it was understandable because he was the older one and like I said um, he is fiercely protector over me I love yeah, it yeah 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 um, that boy I've always I mean one of the things about uh, Arabic culture that is still reasonably decent, although they're doing it to a toxic level, is doing the right thing. Um, so as a father, you know, I always have to be a father. I don't it doesn't matter if my kids are 50 or five, yeah? I have to treat them right, and I have to treat my parents right, and that's what mm -hmm. I'm drummed into us, okay? Um, the one thing that I've picked up from the West 
is that I'm still an individual myself. So like that 83 year old woman talking to you about, you know, her fighting, her generation fighting for your rights to be an individual and not just a mother. Fathers are also trapped in this thing of, you know, you're, they're just a wallet, basically. Mm. Um, and they're the ones that go off and die in wars and they're the ones that, you know, do this and they're expendable. Work themselves to death. And... Yeah, they're, they're expendable, um, basically, yeah. right? And uh, even now, me, this person who's hopefully a little bit awake and a little bit spiritual and, you know, has worked on themselves, I still feel guilty. I'm so glad I'm having, sitting down. Have a... Uh, you know, uh, have a life for myself uh, away from being a father, right? Uh, or a husband or ex-husband or, or whatnot. So when my when my mum died a couple of years ago, was it a year ago? I can't remember now. Yeah, it must have been a couple, Two years yeah, a year ago. and a half ago. Uh, and I went to Egypt to sort stuff out. I felt guilty about leaving the boys, um, even though, you know, the old one is kind of legally old enough to leave. To leave home now right mm. i mean if you can leave that was home. a challenge but i mean that was a challenge for me yeah i was ready to kill you <laughs> i was like what what are you doing um, so i i felt guilty about leaving them even though it was my mum who died right so let alone feeling guilty about going out of a night you know to enjoy myself or, or whatnot but it's something that it's one of the reasons after the divorce that buggered off for for a year was one of the reasons we got divorced was i didn't feel that i was allowed to be myself right my own individual outside of this mm. father husband um, business partner so uh, yeah it's important to people for people to um to realize that we have these multiple identities and we have to you know look after all aspects of our life otherwise you're just going to grow resentful of, of your husband of your kids of of society life. of you yeah, of life um and yeah so like you know the kids are you know quickly coming up to the age where they're going to have their own lives and also am i supposed to sit there and go well I didn't do anything for the last five, ten years about building myself up and having uh, what makes me feel, what's the word, uh, fulfilled, you know, um, and content and happy uh, uh, and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's important to do all that. Um, but yeah, more important than that is just, you know, you've got to do the right thing. Um, and Whatever yeah, that is for you. What as example you, are you? Mm. Sorry. Whatever that is for you as an individual. Yeah, yeah whatever well it is, as, it doesn't matter, right? Um, yeah, the, these parents that use their kids against their ex. Like I said, I understand that some exes are toxic, and it's best to you know to to keep that away. But on the whole, it's like we chose them in the first place, right? Really, what you're what you're saying is that you made a mistake and now you're making your kids pay for that. I mean, you know, grow up and uh, uh, and admit that to yourself. Uh, don't take it out on the children. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's important for us to all to, to realize we, we have multiple facets to our lives that we need to uh, nurture 
um, to go back. No, it wasn't. It was um, we did some personal development back in the day, didn't we? And we had this model where your life is like a is like a wheel, yeah, and you have all these spokes. One of them's career, one of them's love life, one of them's spirituality. Is that SMI or landmark? Yeah, or SMI, right? SMI, my and um, you have to tend to them all to the same degree. Mm. Otherwise, you have a bumpy ride or no ride at all. You know, if one of the spokes mm. is completely missing, you know, the, the car's not going to move. So, yeah, you, you need to tend to them. Um, Most women only tend to the motherhood, I found. They only tend to family. That Very, very few of them um, tend to their own health, their own education their own dreams, uh, their own finances. Because I remember when we got divorced, actually, um, there was a woman that came up to me uh, when we, the boys were still in Birkdale at that point. Um, so for, to give uh, a bit of context to people around the world who are, don't understand what Birkdale is, Birkdale is one of the top private day schools in the UK. Um, and within this school environment, there were a lot of women who um we're in the model as you were saying whereas the father went off and the father provided and the mother was there to pick up and drop off and go shopping and go to the spa and go out for lunch during the day very very few of them actually had a job because they didn't need to have a job and one of them actually said to me we used to feel really sorry for you dawn because your husband was away and you were there um, running the businesses, you were, you know, always making sure that everybody else in the community was fine. You know, you were there taking care of the house. You didn't have a maid. You didn't have a chef and you were down the gym and then you were always down, you know, you're always looking after everybody else but yourself. And I was like, what do you think I'm doing while I'm at the gym? Taking care of myself. You know, well, I'm, when I go to the spa, I'm taking care of myself. But, it, you know, but when she said your divorce has been good for us, because she realized that the fact that I had continued working while we had been married and had been the driver behind the business initially, um, and I had kept everything going and I'd in continued with my education, I'd continued with my personal development, and I'd got um, certain elements of my own independence. Um, I was able to hit the ground running after we got divorced. Whereas she said to me, if her husband divorced her, they didn't have a prenup, even though, because when they first got together, they had nothing, they built everything. And, you know, she had supported everything he wanted. Um, and what she then did was she turned around and said to me, she goes, so I became, she goes, I've gone back to university. I'm studying to be a dental surgeon. Um, and it made her realize and her friends realize just how important it was for them to have their own financial independence, for them to have their own dreams and their own goals. Because if their, if their husband did leave them, they would have nothing. They wouldn't have anything other than the, the children. And maybe because he's got these great lawyers, because if he does run off with another woman, um, I mean, a friend of mine is uh, hopefully coming on to discuss this. But um, then the other woman who is whatever her role will soon to be, and there's one particular scenario that I know of very, very well, where the new stepmom 
has forced the mum out of the picture and there's been so much toxicity around it that a friend of mine is not even allowed to see her own children anymore based on lots of lies and the children are growing up in that toxic environment all because the man wanted a younger model um, and she couldn't have kids so and he didn't want any more kids so she did what he wanted to do so you're going to take on my kids and now 10 15 years down the line history has repeated itself again <laughs> and now the stepmom's on her way out and it's just a really fascinating cycle and the thing is the children have suffered quite severely because of it and, and it's really sad and i do agree that it's it is about making sure you choose who you have children with um and well you even choose you yeah who you have children with and who who you're going to marry um because if you're marrying someone after a divorce where you already have kids you have to choose someone who's going to be a good stepmom or stepdad um and that includes respecting you know the yeah, the, the other parent. parent that isn't mm. there um and yeah to go back to something i just remembered the when you're saying about getting lawyers involved and stuff is like if you're people who are trying to do the right thing anyway why do you need a lawyer there right mm. if you're going to try and screw over the other guy then yeah by all means get a lawyer so you can screw him over better right so the lawyer yeah. doesn't change anything fundamentally they're only going to add to what you already want to do um but uh, usually but lawyers uh, especially in, in divorce you know they're they have their own aims and uh they can make things worse you know you can start off just wanting to do the right thing and a, a great film to watch about this i don't know if you've seen it on netflix a marriage story um i started to watch it but i got bored it starts off yeah it starts off like okay but give it time because if there's yeah. one film most of that directors is it noah baumbach his, his films on the whole I, i'm i'm not really uh, but that one specifically was really really on point because it starts off and the relationship breaks down you know the normal way and you can tell that both the father and mother um was it adam uh, driver and uh Gwyneth paltrow no no not Gwyneth paltrow um the sexy one uh was in avengers Women don't float my boat, yeah you can still tell us they're sexy even if they don't tell you about i can tell them men are handsome and not gay right um <laughs> that's a whole other conversation I'm yeah 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 no uh what's her name <laughs> um scarlett johansson right Oh yeah, no, she is a badass. She, yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. you can at, at the start of the thing, it, it, she is a sex falling up. Yeah. You know, the 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 marriage is falling apart uh, uh, and all this, but they're trying to do the right thing by themselves and by the kids. And then someone goes, "Well, you know, why don't you get a, 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 a the lawyer involved? You know, just to make sure that he doesn't, you know." And and he wasn't trying to screw her over. He was just trying to do the, you know, the the right thing. She gets a lawyer involved, and then he finds that the lawyer's involved. He's like, "Well." fuck now i'm starting to the lawyers telling me this and this and this and we hadn't talked about this and then he has to get lawyer involved and then he, the lawyers are just fighting with each other and yeah it's uh it shows you how things can just snowball when you start getting other people involved you know if you if you want to do the right thing then do the right thing it's as simple as that yeah, don't and don't listen to friends 
yeah because they're they're doing things according to their own beliefs and whatnot and they're entitled to them but uh, you know if they're really worried that worried about your kids and you know your rights uh, and all this then you know they Mm. can help by looking after the kids you know are are they there looking after the kids you know, are they there uh, allowing you to go off and do something and, and babysitting for you? If they're not doing that, fuck them. You know, they're just telling their opinion and what they'd want to do because of their miserable old lives, um, what they've seen on TV and all this. So, yeah, One just... of the reasons why I removed most of the people that we were friends with um, was because I found that, um, and I don't know if this was the same for you, but I found that there were some people coming to me and going, oh, did you know Ramo's doing this? Oh, did you know Ramo? Or did you know Ramo? Or did you know? I was like, yeah, I do know Ramo, and I'm trusting him to raise the kids. And, you know, I remember once I was talking to a friend, I was like, and he goes, are you all right? I said, not really. I'm just processing, because this is when you'd gone to Egypt to be uh, sort out your mum. So I'm just processing this. Um, and then I realised that, this person presented me with all this stuff and I thought oh my god but you're friends with him on Facebook I see you interacting with him on Facebook if you're bitching about him now behind his back then the likelihood is if you're bitching about him you're bitching about me someone else Um, and all the people that were giving me uh, advice Advice. about you yeah (laughs) we both did advice they're giving me advice about you I'm like Mm, yeah and the the distance you know and for some of those friendships it was really difficult to get rid of them because they had been there with me at the very beginning um and you know they we've been friends for you know 10 20 years and having the kind of commentary that I was getting from these people, knowing they were still connected to you, knowing that they were still, you know, having a laugh with you, Ramo, you know, and then on the flip side, bitching about you. And I'm just like, mm, no, that's a timeout. You're not my kind of person. I'm having this dialogue with you. You are having this dialogue with me. And if you want to just, I don't need that in my life. I need to focus on what's the interaction between the two of us. Do I trust you? Now, after what, after we got divorced, it was like, could I t- trust you? Mm, no, I wanted to, but I didn't feel that I could. And if I could ever be a witness to you again, or a witness for you again. But again, it's like, you know, we're now eight years down the line. So it has been a journey. It hasn't just been an overnight thing. And um, with time, you know, I do believe that even the most fraught um, divorce or the most toxic divorce that's been through with the lawyers, if you remember why you fell in love with that person in the first place, if you remember why you had children with them in the first place, that person is still there somewhere underneath all of life. That person is still there fundamentally. Um, it may look different, same meat, different gravy as a mutual friend of ours, Charles used to say um but when you've been through as much as we have together to not honor that and to not um share those memories with the boys i mean imagine let's get the boys get you know they get married or they have children what are you going to be at one end of the room and i'm going to be at the other end of the room or is it going to be well i'm not going because dad's going to be there 
Like, what does that do to the children? That's just pathetic. It's just childish. It's just um, someone acting from a wounded ego. Um, and it's just really, really unnecessary. Um, but I will probably go back on. Uh, I know which part of the movie I got up to. It wasn't that long ago that I watched it. So I was like, oh. yeah, I'm bored now. But you know me. I don't really watch movies. I kind of get up and start no, doing so the ironing. So like I said, most or... of his films I don't, I, don't, um, I don't like. But that one, it's a slow build. And you're like, okay. And then the way it builds. And it's really realistic the way it builds up. And it's like... It's, uh, yeah, by the end of it, you're like, oh, it, it packs a punch by the end of it. And it really cool. does show how getting other people involved can just make things, usually makes things worse because other mm. people have their own motives for doing stuff. And mm. if we don't, if we don't choose, if, uh, if a lot of people don't choose the person they have a kid with consciously, they 100% don't choose their friends consciously. You just grow up with them or Absolutely. you happen to find them and you get stuck with them. And, oh, well, they're a mate. I've known them for 20 years. Really? Do you know them? You know, have they got their, your best interests at heart? Um, you know this. Sliver yeah. Of them. So. Yeah, and that's really quite interesting. With me doing this trip, it was the passive aggressive uh, comments that I would get. Oh, it's all right for you. It's all right for you. It's all right for you. And I'd be like, Yeah, if anyone ever says to me it's all right for you, you're already on your way out the door. Because if I've known you for that amount of time and you know what I've been through and now you're coming to me and saying it's all right for you, yeah, you don't know me, you know nothing about me, you can, you're off out. Thank you so much. Um, now, I've noticed, I mean, I am going to wrap this up now because I know that you've got things to do. I've got to go and sort out a manuscript. Um, but the dogs haven't come in. Yeah, they're so. here. I'm surprised they haven't come. Are they? Chewy? <gasps> Chewy, come. She came in. Oh, Cal! Yeah, they're both here. Hello, Cal! There's Chewy. Hello, Look at him. Look at him. Come on. Come Hello, on. Baby Cal. Yeah, Look at that. Look at him. Look at him. Look. Oh, she didn't do his face properly, the lady. No. She needs a trim. No, she needs, they both need a little bit, but yeah. No, on the whole, it was a good job. Yeah. Oh, look at her. Look at him. Oh, thank you. Oh. <laughs> She's tired. She says, let me wake me up. Oh, look at his little tail. I yeah. can see his little tail only. Oh. Right then. Well, thank you so much for joining me today and having this conversation, the first of many. Um, I'd like I'd like to um obviously continue this on many other subjects. Um, and uh, Kelp wants to come back in. On yeah, that. I think it'll be easier, um, you know, if there's like a defined subject and then we can just kind of focus on that. Um, yeah, no, I did want to cover parenting in today and, you know, the. I'm the sure there's more stuff and, in parenting to talk about yeah. if someone wants to. But next to you, time. Well, what about this specific point? Yeah. I mean, we can talk about religion and belief systems and the whole bloody. Yeah, oh, there is. Uh, yeah, <laughs> whole, you know, loads of other stuff to to discuss especially if people are in a um, mixed cultural relationship or well, they, this is another aspect yeah. that i do want to discuss the 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 multicultural aspect of parenting but like i said today i did want to discuss the parenting aspect but i also wanted to touch on the 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 concepts of the racism and the you know the opinions and go down that route and 
I'd like to continue with that. If there's anybody that's listening um, that wants to add, I mean, I know there are people listening, not if there are people listening. What I mean is, for those of you who are listening, if you've got any comments that you would like to drop below, then do let us know so that we can actually address some of these conversations with you. Um, there is uh, a few things that Ramo and I are discussing about uh, maybe some webinars uh, in the future. But for now, we're just going to be having these conversations. But if there's anything that people want to reach out to you about with your filmmaking, um, I want to find you on uh, the, I mean, I call it face fuckers nowadays <laughs> because I'm not on book face is my favorite. Because um, obviously, there's books here at the front. Um, but I just really am so grateful to you, Ramo, for everything that, uh, you know, we've been through for the adventure of parenting that we've been on and for joining me today. So thank you so much. You're welcome. And, you know, big ups to you as well for being a great mom and, and yeah, being there for me as well through all the shit. Uh, and, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, for where we are now. Uh, like you said, it wasn't it wasn't easy. Even us being conscious and trying to do the right thing was still difficult. Um, mm. Like everything is, like being a parent is, you know, you just have to suck it up and do it. Yeah, you do. Suck it up and heal it. Yeah. All right, then. Well, you have a really great day. Have fun uh, with uh, the recipes that you're about to go make and uh, enjoy. And I will we'll see do. you again for another episode. That's it. Ciao. Ciao, ciao. We really hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Truth Serum Podcast. You can follow Dawn directly through her Instagram account, Instagram.com forward slash real Dawn Bates. This is an invitation only podcast. That said, if you would like to speak with us or come on the show, please send an email through hello at DawnBates.com. And as always, Thank you for pushing your mindset towards a better reality. This concludes the most thought-provoking portion of your day. Remember to like and subscribe to stay fully up to date. Sharing is caring, so share away. Until next time, folks, grab a good book, see a sunset, and expand your knowledge and experience.